Amen. Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Amen. Um, before we just like us to turn to your neighbor. We're going to say some nice things to them. So if you don't have a neighbor, get closer. Get a little bit closer. There we go. <laughs> and and you can start off with telling them they're beautiful. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then you you can tell them that they're made for amazing things. Yeah. And actually tell them that there's something for you today. You're not going to go home the same. Yes. And that is the truth. That is the truth. Amen. And as you've done that, just stretch your hands towards me if you can. And I'll just ask that you pray for me, for the word today, and that my opinions not be brought to you because really you don't want my opinions, you know, but that the Lord speak to you through me today. Thank you, Father. Um, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be up here today. It is only by your grace you have made me sufficient as a minister. And even though I wasn't qualified, so I bless your name. I thank you for the words that you put in my mouth, Ben. And I thank you for what you're going to do in the midst of your children today. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, first of all, I'd just like to thank Pastor Bruce and Pastor Marlene. It's just amazing that a Nigerian young man who has no roots in New Glasgow will end up in New Glasgow and on a stage to speak to you today. It is definitely a testimony of God's grace, and, and I'm so, so grateful to them for the opportunity to speak to you today. And I am so convinced that something is going to happen in your lives today, not because I am special. Some days I feel special, but <laughs> not because I am special, but because today was orchestrated for you. I am convinced that there is something that you have to hear today that is going to change the trajectory of your lives today. So what I want you to do is we're talking about the baptism of the of the Spirit, and, and in different parts of the Bible, it's called the infilling of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. But you can only fill something that's open. So I want you to open your hearts today. Open your ears today. Empty yourself. If there's anything in you, empty yourself so that you can be filled. Pay attention. Listen, don't, don't go ahead to tomorrow. Maximize today because there's something that will change for you today. And I'm convinced of that. And it's not about me. All right? Amen. All right, let's jump into the message then. So we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. And you know, most people know what baptism is. You know, you, you dunked in a, a big tub of water. So if, if we're using that euphemism and, and we say the baptism of the Holy Spirit, meaning you're dunked into the Holy Spirit, you kind of want to know who you're getting dunked into, right? <laughs> you kind of want to know, okay, who is this person or what is this and who is this person? So let's just jump right in. Who is the Holy Spirit? And I want you to desire him. So the goal is to desire him. That is my goal. To stir up something inside of you, that a desire. And you cannot desire who you do not know. You know? So next slide, please. So who is the Holy Spirit? In short, the Holy Spirit is God. And we have scriptures that tell us that. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. 
In Matthew, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In, in Corinthians, it says that for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is God himself. And when we say Lord, we say someone who has authority over you, someone who you belong to. That is what Lord is. And, and we only attribute that to God, and we only attribute that to Jesus. Abraham called God Lord. Jesus was called Lord. The Holy Spirit is called Lord. They're equal. That's why we say the Holy Spirit is God. And if we're in, in agreement, then we can move forward. Right? So real quick, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So I, I thought about this and, you know, you do your research and as an engineer, pardon me, you might see some engineering in, in this, but as an engineer, you do your research, you read, and, you know, I was pulled to try and study, you know, who is the Holy Spirit, and in the end, it was like, you know what, define him for yourself, who is he to you? And then in the end, he says, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit to you? And I came up with, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit envelopes you with the presence and the power of God. Hence, influencing your actions towards the glory of God. Now, this was very key for me because I went through some scriptures and I figured, this is it. And the best part of it is influencing your actions. Not influencing your thoughts. Not influencing what you think, your opinions. Uh-uh. It all comes down to your actions. Influencing what you do. James tells us, do not be hearers of the word only, but doers of it also. In the end, it influences what you do in the end. And that is when you're baptized in the Spirit. And that is the result of it. So we'll jump straight in. There, I told you earlier that there are different phrases that are used. In Acts, it says that John baptized with water, but in just a few days, this is Jesus speaking, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Later down, he says, And they were fill, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then in Acts 1, he says, that You receive power where the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we see, I'm sorry, I prepared this like I was reading my Bible. So I kind of gave you a heads up and highlighted the things that I wanted you to focus on. So those different phrases are different phrases that if you come across in the Bible, they exp explain the same experience. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the, the expression that I gave the kids, and I, I feel is still appropriate here, is who has seen a drunk person before? I have. And to us, they don't look coordinated, right? You know, they can't walk in a straight line, which is like the basic test, you know. And when someone is drunk and driving, we explain that as being, driving under the influence. And it's funny, in the Bible, it says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And that kind of gives us an idea that there is, there is a kind of balance in there. Do not be drunk with wine in which there is dissipation, which means that do not be drunk with wine where it causes you to do these things, but be filled with the Spirit that causes you to sing, to praise the Lord. You see what I mean? You're, you're, you're so overwhelmed that you can't but love. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't but show favor. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't but lift someone up. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't but do good. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't but not buy the ticket. You see what I did there? <laughs> but that's the beauty of it. You're filled that you can't but, and you cannot explain it. It's not something you can explain, but you're just filled. And that's the beauty of it, because it has nothing to do with you. 
it really has nothing to do with you. You are influenced. And I don't know about you, but I find that beautiful. I found that just plain amazing. And and it stirs me up. It stirs me, it stirs me up. And it excites me. And I wanted to excite you too. Amen. All right. So now we're going to look at the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being born of the Spirit. Now I consider this very important because they're two different things. And there's some things that you have to understand about both of them. I'm going to go through a thought process and I want you to follow me as much as you can. There is a standard that we were created for. God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. There is a standard. God took his image and put it on us. But then the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That glory that we were meant for, that life that we were meant to live with God. It says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, in the Garden of Eden, rebellion by Adam and Eve brought sin into this world. And sin brought brokenness into the human nature. A dog barks because it's a dog. But I can bark. Woof, woof. I'm not a dog. Right? So there's a nature to a dog that makes it to bark. So there is a nature to humans that make them to sin. So it's not about what you do. It is a condition of the heart. Now, if you, if you argue with me, look outside. Watch your TVs. And if you'd still argue with me, look inside. Look at your heart. Look at the things you think about, but you can't produce because of laws or whatever. But just look in your heart and you will see this brokenness that I'm talking about. And this brokenness ultimately leads us to a separation from God. That is, that is the, the thing right there. God put Adam and Eve out of Eden. Eden represents the presence of God. Sin cannot dwell in the presence of God. And ultimately, you can therefore not know God. Imagine if you got a phone from Apple and they don't have a physical address, they don't have a website, they don't know anything, you can't complain to anyone. You do not know where you got it from. It's useful, but you don't know. You cannot know God. Really, that is what sin is about. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. And this, later Jesus says, eternal life is to know God the Father and his son Jesus Christ. We, t we are to know we want to know God, but we cannot know God if we're separated. And this is where Jesus comes in. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Someone has to pay. This weekend, I went down to Halifax because my phone was broken. And it's funny because I just got this phone like a month and a half ago, you know. And I got it from a guy, and I'm like, okay, is everything good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, come, bring it in. I'll get it to someone, and I'll pay. He said, I will pay for it to be fixed. For something to be fixed, someone has to pay. A payment has to be made. A payment has to be made. And that is what Jesus came to do. To pay the price for your re reconciliation with God. But not just any ordinary payment. Not just any ordinary payment. The original owner had to pay. The original owner has to pay. 
So God says, you know what? I will pay. I will pay. So Jesus comes by, by way of a virgin birth as prophesied by the scriptures. He leaves a holy and perfect life. That life that we were supposed to live as prophesied by the scriptures. He went on the cross and he died as prophesied by the scriptures. He rose again on the third day as prophesied by himself. Not spiritually rose again, bodily rose again by evidence provided by more than 500 people. He rose again. And that's the beautiful part because God doesn't say, I forgive you, but stay over there. We say that. You say, I forgive you, but I've learned my lesson. Stay over there. You know, I forgive you, but eh, you're not the kind of person I want to hang out with. Stay over there. But God said, I forgive you. Come to me. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to get to know me. Now, the reason why I'm spending time on this is because this is a foundation, the foundation of your faith. There is a difference between being born again and being born of the Spirit. This is what being born of the Spirit is. That thing inside, that human nature, not your flesh, not your mind, but that thing inside of you changes, is born again. So that thing, like the phone, they take out the motherboard, which is literally the operating system of the phone, and they're putting a new motherboard. They're not fixing it. They put a new one, something new, something with bigger capacity, something with the initial capacity. They put something new inside of it, and suddenly the phone operates differently. That is the same thing with you. A new spirit is born within you, and you operate differently. Your body operates differently, and that is done by the Holy Spirit. He does something new. He creates something new inside of you. The Bible says that who, he who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That is the ministration of the Holy Spirit when we say being born again. And we're going to go through some scriptures just to clarify that point. In John 3, 5, and 6, a teacher comes to Jesus and he he says a bunch of stuff and Jesus proceeds not to answer his question, but to answer another question. I'm known to answer questions that you're supposed to ask. So if you ask me a question, I'm like, eh, that's not the right question. Let me <laughs> answer that. And my girlfriend finds that funny. <laughs> but Jesus says that, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Later he says that, but to all who, John writes, but to all who believed him and accepts him, he gave the right to become children of God. You're born as a child again. You're born again. And lastly he says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that salvation there means you will be born again. Now you can know God. That is the beginning of it. That is the foundation of our faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And I made this point to say that do not let anyone deceive you that if you do not speak in tongues, you do not believe in God. If you do not exhibit a certain character, you do not believe in God. If there is no outward working of some things, which we know it should be there, but your faith is not based on those things. Your faith, faith is based on the finished work of Christ Jesus. That is where it starts from. That is the foundation of every single thing. You need to have a conviction of that. Because the world will shake it. Other Christians will shake it. Other doctrines will shake it. But let that be the foundation of your faith. Let that be the starting point. Okay, I don't know much, but I know that Christ died for me. He says that Jesus is Lord. He has authority over me. I belong to him. That is the beginning. The next step is that I declare that. 
he is Lord over my life. And then I say he raised, he was raised from the dead. Say, then God, that means God said, the payment is done. Now come to me. I have reconciliation with God and that reconciliation is through Jesus Christ. Those two things. And my voice kind of went up because that is my conviction. That is what I believe. That is the beginning of my faith. John doesn't know much. Jesus does. That he may increase and I decrease. That is the foundation and it should be the foundation for each and every one. Because it is the foundation that everything else is built upon. Amen. Alright. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How? So how does that happen? We're going to look at how it's received. And I love the choice of words that was, we're using in some of these scriptures because it, 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 it breaks down some strongholds. It breaks down some things that you believe, we believe in our head. And it took me a process also because these are the verses that I studied. These are the verses that I chewed on. So we're going to look through three scriptures, three set of stories. And I highlighted some key words there. So first is Acts 8 verse 14. Now I'm going to give you a little heads up. You know, there was persecution after Stephen was killed. Stephen was, a, was martyred for his faith in Jesus. And he was killed. And that just snowballed into a bunch of torment, um, tormenting persecutions towards the Christians. Right? So everyone spread it. They spread out. And Philip ends up in Samaria. And what do you do when you leave your home and you're chased out? You go and preach. Yep. So he went out and he's speaking to people and they believe. And that's beautiful because the apostles back in Jerusalem hear that. And they hear, wow, some, some Samaritans have believed. So they send John and Peter to go check it out. That's where the verses start. When the apostle in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there, accepted God's message. That is it. The same thing. That is the foundation. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these believers to receive the Holy Spirit. They were already believers. That is the foundation. And if you check that, it said they prayed for the, for the new believers to receive. They didn't give the Holy Spirit. They prayed that they receive. That is our prayer. When, when we pray, we say that you may receive. The receiving still has to be done by you. But we pray that you may receive. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, for they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, the laying of hands is very interesting. I was doing a little research on it, and the only positive that I found in the Old Testament was when Moses laid his hands on Joshua. So I chose that one. <laughs> but there's an importation that comes with the laying of hands. He says, lay hands on Joshua. There's a spirit of leadership in him. So when there is a laying down up of hands, there is a laying hands to receive. The receiving still has to be done. Anyway, when Simon saw the spirit that the Spirit of God was given, when the apostles laid hands on the people, he offered money to buy this power. So we're going to move on, because I'll build on, on those points later. So now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. So I, I jumped a little further, but I'll give you a brief story. Saul, so you remember Stephen that we talked about earlier? Saul was there when Stephen was killed. Saul held the clothes of the people. Imagine, we do that in Nigeria sometimes. When someone's about to fight, they start taking off their shirt. So they don't get, <laughs> they don't get their clothes dirty while they, while they fight. So I guess the Jewish people did that too. They took off their clothing, they laid it at Saul's feet, and they went to kill someone. And Saul was there and he approved of it. And that sparked something in him and he started tormenting Christians. 
But this same man, on his way to Damascus, after getting a letter from the religious leaders, he meets Jesus. He has an encounter with Jesus. He comes out of that encounter blind. And then we get to this verse. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling calling Ananias. He said, Yes, Lord. The Lord said, Go over to a straight street, to the house of Judas. Where, where you, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. And later in, the ver- in, in chapter, um, verse 17, he says, So Ananias went up and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. One of the key points that stood out to me here was that Paul was a tormentor. He was a murderer. However, God found him worthy. It's funny, I was thinking of this story, and it it took me back to my story. I remember one day I was returning home from my girlfriend's place early in the morning to get ready for work. And to be sincere, I'm not proud of this story, but I'm unashamed. Because I, 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 I'm walking home and I say, you know what, I'm going to pray. Let me just go home and pray before I go to work. You know, I, and I wasn't speaking in tongues then. I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. I just had a desire to pray there. You know, when I get to my room and I'm just praying and I lift up hands and I'm praying and I'm singing and I'm singing, which is what you do when you run out of words. And I'm <laughs> I'm singing. And then I start singing in tongues. And then to show that this wasn't me, I stopped. And I was like. And then I sang again and I, I stopped again. And then I sang again and I stopped again. And I was like, wow. This is it. And that started a beautiful journey for me. But what I want to do is I want to reverse the time. That night, my girlfriend and I probably fooled around. I believed in Jesus Christ. However, I was bound by something. And I remember nights that we would would finish, you know, having sex. And I would would go into the, the washroom and I would lay down, like in the fetal position, and I would cry and I would feel so broken and I would feel so unworthy however this broken person this person that felt that he was unworthy God still found him worthy to fill him with his spirit God still found him worthy to give him something that would change his life God still found him worthy to give him a gift that would literally turn his life around. I have a girlfriend now. The same feelings are there. But by his power, amen, I am free. For the joy set before me, hallelujah, I wait. For the joy set before me. That is what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. You do not have to be perfect. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. He makes you holy. It is not about what you do. It is not by the works of your hands. It is not by how much you pray. It is not by being a pastor. It is not by being a minister. It is not by being an usher. As a regular person, desire the Spirit of the Lord Most High to be filled by Him. Something will change. There was a process. Don't get me wrong. There was a process, but understand this. But by the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit of the Most High, something started. And I have testimonies and testimonies of, of that broken person back then. I look back and I was like, man, was that me? There was a deceiver in my past. There was a proud person in my past. There was literally someone who cared about nothing in my past. There was a purposeless person in my past. But hallelujah, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. He found me worthy. 
And I'm here to tell you today that he finds you worthy too. Do not let any thought, any condemning thought come into your mind to say that you are not worthy of his spirit. He gives good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights to whom there is no shadow of turning. He doesn't change. He gives good gifts. He's not partial. Amen. In the next verse he says, so I'll give you a little background story. I try not to pull out the verses here because I'm like, I like the Bible, so I just. <laughs> so Peter, who we talked about earlier, he's he's on a roof. He's hungry. So that's what you do when you're on a roof. Um, when you're hungry, you go to a roof and you think about food. So he was, on, he was on the roof and he was dreaming and he was dreaming about food. And God uses this dream to minister to him. On the other end, there is a man named Cornelius. He's Roman, but he loves God. God, uh, an angel appears to him in a vision. And the angel says, you know what? Send out for a man named Peter. He will tell you what to do. Goodness is not enough, even though God recognizes it. Being good is not enough. You're the nicest person on earth. I love you. But it is not enough. So God came to this good man that was declared good and said, there is more. Send for this man. He will tell you what to do. So Peter comes and then he tells, he, he begins to speak and he tells the, um, the, um, Cornelius about Jesus. Says this man came, he was crucified, he died, but he rose again for your sin. What, what blows my mind is what comes next. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Family, you do not need no one to lay hands on you. That is one way. But as you're sitting there listening, it says, as they listen, even as Peter said these things, the Holy Spirit fell as they were listening. As you hear my voice now, there is something stirring up within you. With lifted hands. With a desiring heart, there can be a filling of the Spirit inside of you. There can be a spark that changes the trajectory of your life. It is not my voice. He says that as they were listening, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. You do not need no one to lay hands on you. Even though that is one way. This is just to show that, man, it is just a, it is just a desire. And it is, it is received. That's what you do with gifts. You say thank you. It says in the last days I will pour out my spirit among all flesh. When you're given a gift, all you have to do is say thank you. It has been given. Thank you, Lord, for filling me with your spirit. You are faithful like that. Thank you. Now it says the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. There is no discrimination. They were shocked. They thought they were a special crew. But the truth is you are not special. He gives liberally. The Bible says that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He is predisposed to give. That is the initial, like that is his initial standpoint. He's predisposed to pour. He's predisposed to give. And it says, for he, they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Now you know, now tongues is introduced. And it was intentional. In the first two verses, two verses of scripture, you didn't hear anything about tongues. When Peter prayed for them, he lays hands on them. You didn't hear anything about tongues. When Paul received the Holy Spirit, you didn't hear anything about tongues. But here you hear, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. That was the evidence. So there is an evidence. Speaking in tongues is an evidence. Being filled with the Spirit is the gift. Being filled with the Spirit is the gift. However, that doesn't mean they didn't speak in tongues then. Because remember, we said Simon 
saw this happen and he paid he wanted to pay them what did he see he saw them speaking in tongues paul he um and then i says that you may be filled with the holy spirit he didn't see any evidence there but that same paul who wrote almost one third of the new testament said i speak in tongues more than all of you So there is evidence in being filled with the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. Just wanted to put that out there. It is evidence. It is not the gift. The gift is being filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember, I said it, that he influences your every action. When you open your mouth, utterance is given. Then you speak. But you have to open your mouth. And I know we've we've heard of all the different ways and methods, but the truth of the matter is receive, speak, and utterance will be given. And I explained this to the kids and it was so amazing. If I start speaking in tongues, if you pardon me, avi ireda aka marhadi. My mouth is closed. When I open my mouth, then the utterance comes out. There has to be a speaking done. Now I know there is a process because we open our mouths and our mind gets in the way. Trust me, I'm an engineer. I remember I had a conversation with my girlfriend, I was like, okay, I said these words, but they didn't make sense, so I changed them. And I said a different set of words. That made sense. I'm like, now I look back, I'm like, wow. <laughs> that was silly of you, John. But I didn't have understanding. The only difference between someone who's struggling with that and me is that I stopped thinking about it. He says that when I speak in tongues, my mind is unfruitful. It says my mind is unfruitful. I know I know that there are strongholds there. Like there's a there's a gap in understanding. But I want to wrestle with that today. I want to wrestle with that. It is a gift to desire. Your part is to speak. It doesn't have to make sense. And we'll see that later. So we've talked about how. Now we want to talk about the benefits. Like, okay, yeah, we want that, but what's the point? What's the use? How does that help me? How does that make a difference in my life? How is that useful to me? What does it do for me? Why should I desire this? So the first reason is for a deeper revelation of the word. Jesus says in John 16 verse 13, he says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Bible also says that all scripture is inspired, is God inspired. So only God can reveal that to you. And it's funny this this phrase always is stuck in my head truth transcends language truth is higher than language because you pick up a set of words and read them doesn't mean you have truth i'll give you an illustration you know i'm nervous about asking my girlfriend out not to say that i was nervous when i did but you know, I'm nervous and I decide to write about it, the process. And I'm writing in my diary or whatever. And I say, I was really nervous. And I feel like I jumped the gun. But when I jumped the gun and I went to her, she said yes. 
you know, and you read those words and they sound beautiful. But then 30 years later, someone picks up my diary and he reads it. And with a barrier in language, he lays a gun on the ground. He thanks God for provision of the gun. He jumps over the gun and then he goes to ask his girlfriend. <laughs> and then it works. So therefore you start a jumping the gun ministry. You must jump the gun. The gun must be, you see what I mean? Truth transcends language. All of us here understand that when you jump the gun, it just means you missed the mark like you you went too early. But if with someone without that understanding, wouldn't get that. However, that's what Jesus says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will pick up this scripture that you read, every word you read. He will pick it up and he will make sense out of it for you in your life today. And I find that just beautiful. Because I know, and you don't have to be, that's the beautiful thing, you don't have to be the pastor. Pick up the word. Have him being filled by the spirit. And it opens up and it's just like bright. It, it, it affects your life. I remember the first decision I made. My, my ex-girlfriend, I, we were talking about eloping. And man, now I look back and I'm like, man, Lord, thank you. And I was reading and I, I got to John 3. And that was the first book I really read in the Bible. And I, just, I got to John 3 and towards the end. It says that anything not done in the light is not of God because it is not of the light. And I'm like, hmm, this means that if I do anything without bringing it before the people, it is not of God. I don't want to do anything of God. that is not of God. And then I call my girlfriend, I'm like, oh yeah, we're not doing that. That is the word made real. And that can only be received by the Holy Spirit. I remember when I, I'm sorry, she's here, so I'm just going to be referencing, <laughs> referencing her. <laughs> I remember when, you know, I was reading the word and, and you know, it was in Genesis and he was like, and, and he looked at man and he considered him good. You know, he said he's good. But later down, man rebels and God starts the process of getting man back to himself. And then the word came to me. It said, when you consider something good, you stop contemplating and you start strategizing. And I'm like, I've gotten a revelation. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you. You were the strategy of the Lord Most High. You came to me. You told me. You came for me. I was just really excited. And the Holy Spirit is like, nope. That is for your girlfriend. That is for the one you prayed to me about. You have considered her good. So stop contemplating and start strategizing. So I started plotting on on how I was going to ask her out. But understand this, that this is brought into your life, real life. Like this is so tangible. This is practical. The Holy Spirit reveals life to you. You get a deeper revelation of the word as you walk with him. The word makes sense. So when something comes and it doesn't make sense to you, the Holy Spirit is there. He will guide you into all truth. And then the beautiful part of it, later down in that verse, he says, and he will tell you what is yet to come. I was telling the kids, how does it feel if you knew what the exam questions would be? Wouldn't that just be awesome? And I've heard testimonies of that. That is just like, but mediocre. Like there are so many things. He will tell you things to come. He will tell you, do not go there. Do not buy that ticket. He will keep you. He will guide you every step. That is the Holy Spirit that we have. Amen. All right. He says, the next one is freedom and transformation. In 2 Corinthians, he says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the 
the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now it's funny, I told you, we've read this verse earlier, but the beautiful part of it is that the spirit is the Lord and wherever he is present, there is freedom. I remember this story. I, sometimes I just reflect and I reflect on how good God is and I realize that I can't give you what I don't have. And I need to present what is practical. There was this day I was I was waiting for I was waiting for something. I was waiting for provision. I'm like, Lord, you know, you need to provide for this and that and that and that. And, you know, we're, we're used to that. Everyone has worries. Everyone has, you know, things that they want more money for. So, you know, I was waiting and I thought I had faith and all of that. And one day I went to the bank and, you know, I was just doing some transactions. And at the end of, you know, would you like me to do anything for you, more for you? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And she says, oh, by the way, um, you have been a you have been pre-approved for an overdraft increase. And then the Holy Spirit says, that is what you're depending on. Take it off. And I'm like, no, thank you. I'm fine. And I'm walking away. And he says, take it off. So I get to work. And it just wouldn't leave me. Take off the overdraft. Trust in me. So I pick up my phone and I call TD. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to take my overdraft off. Like, I don't want it anymore. And the guy's like, oh, are you sure? If if you don't, you might not be approved. I'm like, dude, just take it off, please. <laughs> you know, and he takes it off. And immediately I leave that call. A maraud of thoughts just started coming in. Like, you will lose this. You will lose that. You won't be able to pay for this. This will be taken away from you. You won't be able to do this. You won't be. And literally, this is the first time it ever happened to me. I started sweating. And my heart started beating. And I couldn't understand what, like no scripture could help me. And I was at work. But then I went to a room. Pardon me again. He says, when you speak in tongues your mind is unfruitful the attack was in the mind but there is something inside of you that cannot be attacked i can't remember how long i it's just sat there cringing but i just spoke in tongues i don't know how long it went and then all the thoughts stopped everything stopped the testimony is not the provision. The testimony is that I have never had that attack again in my life for worry. I have never ever since that day. That is it. That is the freedom we're talking about. There is freedom. There is liberty. Those things that hold you bound. We think we need this. But the truth is we need that. And the Holy Spirit provides that. In his infilling. We are free. He tells us that. And he makes that come real. Now I gave you a real example. Because we need to know it's not existential. It's not out there. It is not just in the spirit. But it is real. In real life worries. Real life struggles. Real life problems. He is there with you. To make decisions. To turn things around. That is that is part of the gift. And then I think this one, if we stay too long, we might stay too long because of it. it says, So all of you who had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more like Him. He says, More like who? He says, More like Jesus. We walk like Jesus. He makes us talk like Jesus. Jesus went around doing good. Jesus went around ministering. People that were deaf got their, 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 their hearing. People that were blind could see. People that were lame could walk. He makes us more like Jesus every day. You literally have a, what would Jesus do inside of you. So in every situation, he tells you what Jesus would do. He takes us to that level of glory that we're supposed to live with from the beginning. 
praying God's perfect will. It says, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. That's pretty cool for me. Because I don't trust my words. My words are selfish. Most of the time. Sometimes we don't even know what we're praying for or what we should pray for. But he says that we're talking to God. There is a relationship now. We're talking specifically to him. And he says, since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. And that is what we do. It is in prayer that we speak in tongues. In fellowship with the Lord, we speak in tongues. But that the, the part of it is like, but it will be mysterious. While I was praying there, in that room, being, being attacked by thoughts, being attacked by worry, it was mysterious when it stopped. What are you what what are you struggling with? It will be mysterious when it stops. What 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 is going on in your life? It will be mysterious when it stops. People will be wondering how. How did that happen? How did this change? This person struggled for years. How did that make a difference? By the Spirit. Receive the Spirit of the Most High. And there is a stirring up that will happen inside of you. Amen. The benefit, the second, next one is to be strengthened spiritually. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. That part, what it really means is edifies himself, builds himself an edifice. That means you're building something inside of you as you speak in tongues. Sometimes I'm going to a meeting and I'm just speaking in tongues. Because I know, as he told Zerubbabel, he told me too, that it is not by power, it is not by mind, it is not by my wisdom, but it is by the Spirit of the Most High God. So when I go into meetings, I'm speaking in tongues. Why? Because I am strengthened on the inner man. When I go there, I only speak what God wants me to speak. And that is the same thing Jesus said. I only speak what the Father wants me to speak. I only do what the Father wants me to do. Sometimes your spirit is weary. Sometimes you, you actually feel depressed. Sometimes you actually feel broken. Proverbs says that the spirit of a man will sustain him. You see people that are almost dead, but they, they, in their spirit, they're just vibrant. There's a spirit inside of us. And he said that it strengthens that spirit, that will inside of us. And lastly, it says it gives us the ability to witness. And that is one thing we all struggle with. But he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Jesus lived 30 years of his life. And throughout that time, he said, it is not my time. It is not my time. But then he went and he was baptized by John. And a dove came upon him and he was filled with the Spirit. Guess what? It became his time. And he went about doing good, preaching the kingdom of God. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Peter, who loved the Lord, cut off someone's ear for him. When the chips were down, he denied him three times. But guess what? The spirit of the Lord came into him. And he spoke to over 3,000 people. John Araga Undukwe is standing before you today. Shy. Would not speak. Introverted. Lacking words. Is starting before you today. By the power of the Spirit. 
you are able to witness. You are able to live a life. You are able to speak life into people. That is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Now as the, the worship team comes up, there's another story that that just stares me up. Jesus is dead. Two men are walking to Emmaus. He appears and he, he has risen again. Jesus had risen again. Two men are walking. You know, and they're discussing and they're sad. And they're like, man, I thought Jesus was going to redeem us. I thought Jesus was going to be the savior of Israel. And then Jesus comes and says, what are you guys, why are you guys so sad? And he opens the scriptures and he tells them that the, all these things were meant to happen to me. But you know the beautiful thing? Later Jesus disappears and they say something. Did our hearts not burn while he spoke? Did our hearts not burn while he opened the scriptures? I'm asking you today. If you haven't experienced Jesus as Lord, if you haven't been filled with the Spirit, did your heart burn while you heard the Word? Was there something stirred up inside of you? Today there's an opportunity which will always be available, but today we're making it so for you to get to know this Jesus. For you to get to know God. As the worship team um, starts, I just want us to, to bow our heads and look within into our hearts. And if you recognize Jesus as Lord and you believe the words that have been declared by Him today, And you want him to come into your life. You can put your hands up. This is an identification. This is an identification. And a, an opportunity to, to live a life. Amen. I see those hands. You have made a decision today that is not ordinary. I would like you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your blood that was given for me. I believe you were raised by God on the third day. And because of that, I can know my Father. Come into my heart. You are my Lord. <laughs> Amen. And if you, if you're part of those people that raised your hands, I would, as we call for prayer, I'd like you to come forward and speak to someone. And they will introduce you to that life. We'll tell you a little bit more and show you opportunities. Now the second set of people, did your heart not burn? If you haven't been filled with the Spirit, did your heart not burn when you heard those words? You do not need to come up to be laid hands on. But if you want to come up, there is a there is there is a receiving to be done. Open your heart. At the beginning I asked that you open your heart. So as the choir sings, and, and I invite some of the elders up front. If you were in those two groups, come forward. 
ਕਿਉਂ ਹੈ